Hey, this, uh, this morning we get to hear from uh, Pastor Ed. Ed is a bike vocational pastor who does some of our uh, pastoral care ministry and stuff like that. So, Ed, it's very good to have you bringing the next message in this series, uh, of Bearing Fruit in Prayer. Yes? Uh, generosity, yeah. Yes. What we're talking about. Yep. Good morning. I am used to preaching in front of 25 guys in yellow in a prison, so this is a totally different experience for me. We are in a um, series, Bearing Fruit in Prayer, uh, and I'm going to talk about generosity. So far, we have covered love, joy, peace, and patience. Love, we have to have love. Without love, nothing else really, really matters. Um, we've talked about joy, and I have to read this one. Joy, joy keeps your struggle in perspective through redirecting our focus on God, who is greater than any of life's difficulties. So God can trump any, any problems that we have in life. Next is peace, and this really resonated with me when Todd said this, and um, resonated with others that I've talked to. Peace, you, when you think of peace, think of being in a boat and you're in the middle of, the, of a storm. You're in the storms of life and Christ is in the boat with you. And as long as Christ is in the boat with you, you are not going to sink. You may be battered, you may be bruised, but you will not sink. Last is patience. And patience, we want to have the patience with others that God has with us. So that's kind of a 30-second summary of the series so far. And now we're going to talk about um, generosity. Generosity is defined as willingly able in the original language. And I'm going to start with a story about my son. My son, Zach, was seven years old. And the school he went to would do, would do spring day, field day, basically. And they would get out and celebrate... Um, celebrate that, you know, spring was here and the weather was warm and so on and so forth and all the kids would get to, you know, run around. And one of the things they did is they would have games. And they had a foot race, 50-yard dash. So my son's lined up with all the other kids. And the teacher says, ready, set, go. Off he goes. And he's maybe halfway down. And a, and a boy named Dallas falls and hurts himself and starts crying. My son stops walks back, helps Dallas up, gives him a hug, they put their arms around each other, and they cross the finish line together. My son was practicing generosity at seven years old. He didn't call it that. He just knew a friend was in need, but he was willingly able to stop. And this sounds weird. I'm a father. He gave up his place on the podium, potentially, to stop and help somebody else. That kind of leads us into um, the verses that we're going to talk about today. We're going to be in John, chapter 13, verses 3 through 5. So whatever form you have a Bible in, go ahead and turn there. A little bit of background about John. John is the fourth gospel. It was written 80 to 85 A.D., it was written for the Jews and Gentiles around the area of um, Ephesus. And in, um, John is one of two Gospels that um, actually states the purpose um, of why he wrote it. Um, I'm in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. 
Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. So John's gospel was written for two reasons. Evangelistic, to know that Christ is the only way to the Son, to the Father. And apologetic, to know that Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah that came to save us. So that was the purpose behind behind John's, John's gospel. All right. Um, John 13 through 16 is called the Upper Room Discourse. Um, God, or Christ knew that he was not going to be with the, he was not going to be with the disciples too much longer. And so he had two purposes in these four chapters. The first purpose that we're going to talk about here shortly was to show them how to be a servant to others. And that's what we're going to primarily talk about today. The other uh, 14 through 16, what he talked about was, I am going away. You are still going to be here. You are going to promote my message, promote the gospel throughout the world, but you're going to need some help, so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So that's kind of a background on what we're going to, what we're going to talk about. So let's get into the verses. So we're in John 13, uh, 3 through 5. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So we're going to go through this hopefully verse by verse. So, first verse. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that all things had come from God and was returning to God. Christ knew who he was. He knew he was the Son of God. He also knew that his time was short. His time was very short. And he needed to tell his disciples what they needed to know to be able to propagate his message to the world. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. Christ um, knew he was the Son of God. He knew he was God. And John tells us in the first chapter that Christ was God. He got up, took off his outer garment. The outer garment for a rabbi, a teacher, was how they, um, they, they were identified in the, in the first century. So by taking that outer garment off, he was, he was basically reneging on his, on his identity as a rabbi. And he was um, assuming, he was assuming the, um, uh, what am I, the word I'm looking for? Assuming the, um, he was, was going to be a slave. He was, gonna, he was assuming the um, job of, of a slave is what he was doing. It was the, it was the wash, foot washing was done by the most menial slave. 
Uh, some of the commentators I read said that, that some of the owners would not let their Jewish servants do it because that was even below them. They would let their Gentile servants do it. So this was about as lowly a job as you could get. Verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So Christ has taken off his outer garment. He has wrapped a towel around him, them. And he is going to start washing their feet and drying their feet. So I need to lie down in a, for a second. Not because I'm nervous that, that I am. But what they did when they ate, they ate around a low table. And what they would do is they would lie down on their left side. And they would eat with their right side. So the person that was washing their feet could essentially be ignored. So this is the job that Christ, Christ was going to, to take up. A master, a teacher, did not, did not wash the feet of their students. That just didn't happen. The disciples would have been happy, probably, to have washed Jesus' feet. But... This just went to get every tradition, everything that, that the disciples knew. The teacher, the master, did not wash the, the disciples' feet. So by Christ doing this, that emphasizes to them how important this act was. All right. So... Christ knew he was the Son of God. He knew his time was short. He took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around him, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Again, he took on the guise of the lowliest slave. This is the creator of the world. The, he created the disciples, yet he was willing to wash their dirty, stinky feet, to wash the dirt and the grime and the stench off their feet. He was willing to humble himself to do that. A little bit later in John 13, 15, he says, I have set you, as an, exa I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. As Christ did to the disciples, he was trying to tell them, you need to be a, a humble servant to help people. This is the example that we need to do. So this is the point in my, in my sermon where I'm supposed to come up with the three points, which I do have. But first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about the ultimate example of generosity. Christ dying on the cross. Christ died for each of us. God is holy. God cannot tolerate sin. Thousands of, years, thousands of years ago, Adam and Eve kind of messed up when they ate the apple. We're feeling the effects now. We are all sinners. Eve, every single one of us. And that is what separates us from God. We cannot be in God's presence because we are sinners. Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his shedding of blood covered our sins and allowed us to have 
a relationship again with the Father. You have a decision. If you are a Christian, wonderful. You're good. If you are not a Christian, you will be separated from God eternally if you do not make that decision. If you are a Christian, you will be with God throughout eternity. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages of sin is death. We earn. We sin. When we sin, we earn death. Bottom line. We're sinners. But, that but is very important. There is another way. God made a way through his son. The gift of God is eternal life. We cannot earn that. That is a free gift. There is nothing we can do to get eternal life. You accept that as a gift through Christ, through the acceptance of Christ as your son. The, worship, or the prayer team will be back there. If anyone wants to pray about that decision, wants to make that decision, they're back there. Rebecca and Rick are back there. They'll be happy to talk to you, pray with you. Tyler and I would be happy to talk to you afterwards about this if you want to know more about it. Back to the message. There are three points, because you have to have a three-point sermon. That's what I learned in seminary. <laughs> what, can we, what can we learn from Jesus washing the disciples' feet and um, ass assuming the role of a servant? Three things. First, anyone can be a recipient of our generosity. How many disciples' feet did, did Christ wash? Did he do 11 or did he do 12? He washed all of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, everybody, including Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed him. And he knew, Christ knew that, that, um, Jesus was gonna that Judas was going to betray him. So even then, he washed that disciple's um, foot. Matthew twenty two thirty nine, and this is the amplified version. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. So, if you see someone that needs help, friend, enemy, Christian, non-Christian, help them. Point number two. Generosity can be practiced at any time. Christ got up in the middle of the meal. He interrupted his meal. He pushed himself up off the, off the mat, got up, took his outer garment off, put a towel around him, and started washing the disciples' feet. So, if your neighbor needs something at 3 o'clock in the morning, help them. If they need something on a Sunday afternoon when the football game's on, help them. If they need something and it's the last two minutes of the last game of the NCAA basketball championships, help them. <laughs> Proverbs 3.28, 3, 
Do not say to your neighbor, come back t- tomorrow and I'll give it to you when, you when you already have it with you. So there's no wrong time. Any time is the right time to show generosity, to be willingly able to help someone. Third, anything. I just totally forgot my third, third point. Oh yeah, Christ did the lowliest job of a slave. He was willing to humble himself. The creator of the world was willing to get down on his hands and knees and wash the feet of those he had created. So if Christ is willing to do the lowliest of jobs, we should be able to do whatever somebody needs to help them out. Galatians 6.2 Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, unless my translation is totally different, there's no list of what burdens we can help people with. There's no list saying, do this, but don't do this. Try this, don't do that. So whatever people need, we need to help them to the best of of our ability. How can we show generosity practically? The Evangelical Covenant Church, I think in 2013, came up with this resolution. Create a culture of generosity in in our congregation through tithing and the giving of our time, talents, and service so that the church becomes a radical example of sacrifice and self-giving to the world. Imagine if each of us practiced generosity being, being willingly able to help others. What an impact that would have on this church and what an impact that would have on the community. There are two ways we can do that internally within the church and externally outside the church. So you guys probably appreciate the ushers. Uh, Kurt and Larry are back there now. Um, they hand you a bulletin, they collect your, your tithe and your offering, they count it, they do other things, set up chairs, all kinds of stuff. Rick and Rebecca are back there praying. Uh, Sharon Carlson is, is head of the um, hospitality ministry. You've got people in here that are trying to help others within this body with whatever they need. We can also help externally. Boys and Girls Club. I think Tyler is giving lessons at the Boys and Girls Club in guitar. Uh, We can go to Mexico. We're going to Berlin, Germany. I think Todd and Lori and others are in Mexico right now. So there's things we can do to help others. If your next door neighbor's uh, yard needs to be mowed, do that. Your driveway needs to be shoveled, do that. Maybe it's just sitting with somebody that needs to talk. Sit Sit in jitters with a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be long. Just something, something very, very simple. As Christians, we're trying to show Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to the world and to those we, ho- we, we help. Christ's hope, that eternal hope in Christ that we will be with him. Healing can be either physical or spiritual, and wholeness, which is the state of being perfectly well in body, soul, and mind. We are trying to help people get there. Um, next week, we're going to have a list of um, 
options that you can do both internally and externally, just a list of stuff that you could to look over and hopefully sign up for, that you can do to help people, to be willingly able to help people. So, to sum up, we need to be willingly able to help some, to help anyone. We need to be willingly able to help anywhere. And we need to be willing, willingly able to help um, anything. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, help us to catch the humble servant's heart, to be willingly able to help those we see in need, to show your love to them, to be willingly able anytime, anywhere, anything, anyone. Lord, help us to catch that spirit, to just um, help us to help others. In your son's name, amen.